hope everyone listening to this can agree that we are against slavery and against human trafficking. If you feel otherwise, we cannot be friends. However, our dollars don't always support what we say we are against. So a couple of years ago, I read this book by Shane Claiborne called Irresistible Revolution, and it really opened my eyes to help me understand. As a Christian, I would tell you all day long that I'm against these horrible human oppressions like slavery and sex trafficking, but sometimes the things I bought, my dollars said otherwise. So Marketing 101 will tell you that you change the world with the dollars you spend. Some of the dollars I was spending at the time supported sweatshops where workers were treated unfairly and forced to work in unsafe working conditions. I realize this is a lot to unpack, and some of you have probably never thought about any of this. But today's guest, Elizabeth, is talking about how we can truly change the world with buying cute earrings. Seriously, Trades of Hope founder is on the podcast today, 25-year-old girl who, with her mother, founded an organization to partner with artisans all over the world to make beautiful jewelry, partnering with women here in the U.S., and, well, literally changing the world. I can't wait for you to hear all the goodness today on the Truth For Your 20s podcast. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Hey guys, the podcast is coming up next, but first, here is the review of the week. I recently started listening to this podcast and have fallen in love. I can't wait till the next one is posted each time. Thank you for pouring into our lives. This podcast has changed the way I view myself, marriage, and my final year of college. I have told everyone who asked for a podcast recommendation about this one, especially my sorority sisters. Thank you so much to each of you who leave a review. This helps others find it. And we're just so thankful for your sweet words to let us know what you enjoy and gives us the encouragement to keep going. Here's your episode on the truth for your twenties. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Katie. I'm excited to have you here. This is going to be so inspiring for our listeners because, well, you just have a really inspiring story. Um, First of all, I'd like for you just to kind of share a little bit about who you are, and then we're going to dive into all the things. Sure. Um, I am Elizabeth. Um, I am 24 years old, and I'm the found one of the founders of Trades of Hope, which is an ethical fashion brand that empowers women all around the world in 17 different countries. Um, today, I'm our chief creative officer, so I get to oversee in my opinion, all of the fun things about Trades of Hope, um, everything that involves um, our branding, our visual communication, our strategic communication, and really just telling our story to the world and helping people 
realize that they have an opportunity to make a difference with their dollars and to have a global impact just by shopping here at home. I am like, I'm just, I'm jumping up and down in my closet right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is so inspiring. So you're basically changing the world (laughs) in my humble opinion. And you're 24 years old. Back me up to how this started and, and how you got to do what you're doing today. Absolutely. Um, so when I was five years old, my mom started an orphanage in Haiti. Uh, we were living in California at the time, so nowhere near Haiti at all. Um, but she went there on a missions trip, saw there was a need, and um, decided to start this orphanage. And my family ran and um, oversaw that orphanage for almost a decade. Um, and then I remember... Around that nine-year mark, my mom saying something along the lines of, you know, we have helped lots of babies be adopted into loving forever families. However, the community around the orphanage looks exactly the same, just as it did when we uh, moved into that area. And that was very eerie for me. Um, And from there, as a family, we started researching a lot about microloans and developing communities and how a woman in need can just transform her life when she is given a small business opportunity. She can be given a really small loan, start a business, and truly transform her life from begging on the street to having dignity and earning uh, an income for her family. And so that was kind of how we we're, we introduced ourselves to this idea of sustainable business and job opportunities to alleviate poverty long-term around the world. Obviously, we had been involved in charity work for a long time. And while there's definitely a place for charity work, I have not seen it create the same kind of change across communities the same way that job creation and sustainability has lifted complete communities out of need and desperation into sustainability and into hope for a future. So we started Trades of Hope with that vision of giving women jobs, giving women dignity and the opportunity to earn an income for her own children, to feed her children, to send her children to school with the hope that those children then will never have to face the same obstacles of poverty that she herself had to face. This is incredible. And how old were you at the time that this kind of is in, a, is in its infancy? I was 15 years old. So 15. Okay. So you and your mom are starting this. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a, a younger brother and younger sister. Oh my word. This is I'm just like, I'm so inspired by this. You know, I read somewhere along the way that children get into mischief, so to speak, like children cause trouble, honestly, because they're bored and they they need something kind of bigger than themselves. And at 15 years old, you're literally changing the world. I'm just, I think it's fascinating how like you, you are already a part of something so much bigger. And I just, I wonder how that affects your growing up versus your peers. Like, did you see your peers diving into things that or maybe not of interest to you because you see such a bigger view or was that the same struggle or how was that as you grew up? Well, I think I was always a really cautious child and some would say a little bit of a goody two shoes. And so I'm not really sure, um, if I truly ever surrounded myself with, with friends who or peers who were too bored, but I definitely, 
did see some discrepancies, I guess, in, in the journeys that, that myself and other people that I knew who were similar to my age, uh, took. Um, but truly I think I was so busy. I can't think of a ton of peers my age that I saw regularly. I feel like I, I didn't have a ton of hangout time with friends my age. It's hard for me to think, to compare to compare those journeys, but I definitely was, was not, I was never bored in my teenage years. That's for sure. Yeah. You're busy, like doing amazing things, <laughs> like changing lives in all over the world. So talk to me about, you know, changing a life in, in what country did you, was it one country specifically that you started Uganda? We started in, uh, well, we actually didn't start in one country in particular. Um, we kind of started, um, the main countries that we focused on initially was Haiti, Uganda, India. Um, but truly we started in several countries all at once. It was easier to create connections in Haiti because of my family's experience there during no- doing nonprofit work. And so you kind of hear through the grapevine, through the people who are trying to do good in Haiti, who is creating certain things or different projects. So, um, Haiti was definitely the easiest to get started in, but we launched, um, working in several countries to begin with. Okay. So walk me through meeting a woman in a, um, you know, a desolate third world country. Is that even the right words? I don't even know. And make helping her make a beautiful bracelet and sharing it with women in the States and making a market like that just blows my mind from start to finish. So can you unpack that a little bit? Um, well, the great thing about this day and age is that everything is ready at our fingertips, all information. Um, so truly in the beginning, we found people either online through Google, um, who are creating sustainable and ethically made products in different communities around the world. And through our, our connections in Haiti, we've, we heard about people creating products in Haiti. But other than that, in countries that are farther away or that we didn't have connections in, we really just found them online. And um, today, we are big enough where artisan groups around the world will contact us. And we have an artisan application where they can fill out this extensive application to make sure that all operations and all steps in creating our products are with the artisan's best interest um, at the main priority. So the process now is when we have solidified that an artisan group has the same mission as we do to empower women and families out of poverty, it is a collaborative process to design a piece. And from there, there's lots of testing, there's lots of sampling, lots of tweaking. And when we finally have a necklace or a leather bag or a basket that is perfect, um, they will send us the the shipment and we pay them 100% upfront their full asking price, making sure that the artisans are earning a living wage for their community. And then we put that product online and on the market to be sold at tradesofhope.com. So a lot of the time we get asked, oh, how much is going back to the artisans? And because we're not a charity, nothing really goes back. They're paid 100% upfront before we even make a sale on their product. Wow. That's that's an incredible business model that you're able to do all of that. 
Oh my gosh. Um, so and people who might not know this, like I've done marketing for a long time and the, the fact that you pay up front, first of all, and give that fair wage, there are so many hands that, you know, so many things that change place. So from a t-shirt, for example, you have to buy the cotton and then you have to get it dyed and then you have to get it sewn together. And then you buy the bulk orders of t-shirts and then you print them and then they go to the store and then they go to the customer. And sometimes there's even more people in between. And that's just one example. So the fact, and everyone's wanting to save a penny here and a penny there. And who usually gets cut the most is at the very beginning of the line, like the people who are growing um, the products or, or dying or whatever. Yeah. So you are going to the beginning of the line and saying, we're giving you a fair price like that. That's amazing. I think that's amazing. Um, I always say one of my favorite quotes is you vote with your dollars or to change the world. You start with the dollars you spend. So people are literally buying earrings <laughs> through your company and like changing the world. I just, I'm, I'm just on the edge of my seat excited about all of this. I can't even handle it. Um, can you share a story of maybe like an artisan who was impacted by trades of hope? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the most impressionable stories I've heard is the story of a woman named Yaw in Cambodia. She was acid attacked in Cambodia, which is a, unfortunately a common practice in that community. Um, women have acid thrown on them either by men who feel that a woman was disrespectful or by other women who feel threatened by a woman. And it's extremely, extremely heartbreaking that acid causes not only physical deformities, but obviously affect a woman very emotionally. Um, Yaw shared once she, she said, imagine the darkest moments of your life tattooed on your face for everyone to know that you went through. Like it is extremely devastating and painful for a long time afterwards. Even those who can afford reconstructive surgeries, those surgeries are so, so painful. And I can't imagine going through operations like that in any country, but nonetheless, Cambodia, nonetheless on that side of the world. And so, um, Yaw has been making products for us um, almost since the very beginning, and um, she has sent us so many loving and encouraging emails thanking us for this job opportunity. She has said that waking up every morning with a dignified job gives her a purpose. It gives her something to look forward to. She's creating beautiful accessories, so she's bringing beauty into this world, and she's so touched that one woman in America would want to wear them. Nonetheless, thousands and thousands of women across America would want to wear what she creates. And not only so, but Yah is such a beautiful example of what having dignified hope can do, not only for one woman, but the ripple effect that's created. She is a woman that despite her scars, she loves having fun with cosmetics and her hair color. Last time I saw her, her hair was dyed red. Um, she loves playing just with her, her physical beauty despite her scars. And she invites other women to do the same. She has charged herself with making other women feel hopeful and beautiful, um, whether they are also working alongside her on our products or just other women in her life. She 
not only has found hope within herself and not only purpose within herself, but she wants to give that hope and purpose and, and an eye for beauty for other women who have experienced what she's experienced as well. And so I think it's easy for us to hear about sustainable jobs or job opportunities and just think about money or putting food on the table, but truly it revives someone to have that purpose, to have a reason to wake up in the morning, even if it's to create earrings or to create a bracelet. Um, for a lot of people that is, is so much more than they could have ever asked for or imagined. And in Yah's case, in the case of many, many women like Yah, once you have been acid attacked and, and physically scarred, many people in that community think that you have done something to deserve this, this act or this attack. Um, and so that they'll be ostracized from their communities and from their homes. And so for women to create products for trades of hope, um, they find community again um, within themselves, um, with each other. And I think that is just a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Something you said stood out to me. Yeah, not only are you like giving her dollars, you're giving her like something to be proud of and like to wake up for in the morning. Um, I don't know the psychology behind it, but I remember reading some point like giving, giving us work gives us hope. Right. And my grandfather worked every day until he died at 93 years old and he could have retired and, you know, he could have rested. And my mom kept telling him, you know, you should retire. And he would always say, if I quit working, I'm going to die. Like that is what I live for. I get up and he wasn't doing anything strenuous or whatever, but I just feel like it's not only money, it's, it's hope, it's dignity, it's purpose. And it's, um, it's so inspiring. (laughs) I just love what you guys are doing. Okay. So can you unpack for maybe the young girl who's listening and like, this is totally new to her. And she's like, wait, I just want a bracelet. And I just go to the mall. And like, I've never thought about my dollars making an impact. Can you kind of explain more about how your dollars matter and the difference that your organization can offer just worldwide. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess at the most basic, but still completely truthful level, um, everything that we buy is made by someone somewhere. Um, I think that we, I don't know. I think it's easy to imagine that it's 2019, almost 2020 and for, and somehow like robots or, manufacturing lines or putting, you know, our earrings together or something like that. But truly most of what we buy, and I think especially what you can just go pick up at a mall is made by someone somewhere, another human being. And you mentioned it earlier that most of the time within a a business uh, process, um, supply chain, it's the, the people at the very beginning who are creating, um, the pieces that we buy, they are usually offered the least fair, part of that business, uh, supply chain. And so I think when we remember that someone else has touched the shirt that we pick up at the mall or the shoes or the earrings, I think it's easy to realize, wow, how I spend my money, where I exchange my dollars for a product really does matter because there is a human being behind it. And I personally want to know, was that human being treated fairly did they work in safe working conditions? Did they earn a living wage? 
you know, are their children being forced to work as well? Um, were they allowed breaks? Did they have to work 12 hours? Um, those are the things that I think of now every time I spend my money, no matter where I'm at. Um, you know, if there is a stone in the earring, like who retrieved that stone and like, how did it get there? And those, like, was it done safely? Those are just the things that I think about. And it's not always the most, um, fun thing to think about because many a time, many times we don't know where the products that we buy come from, but I think we can start to make small decisions. If we can just make informed decisions wherever we can, even if, even if it's not everywhere, even if it's not for every single purchase that we make, if we can learn where some brands source their materials, if we can learn where some brands, um, how they pay the people who make their pieces, I think then we can start to really feel confident that we're making a difference with our dollars and with our money and our purchases and just educating ourselves. I think then we can realize that, okay, maybe most of what is in the mall is not made in a fair working condition, but I'm going to do the best I can to make educational shopping decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so good. I was thinking about, I had a friend who was like big into nutrition and she opened my eyes to like, think about that thing that you're eating. It, it was once, everything we eat was once a plant or an animal. Yeah. And so like this box of Cheez-Its, for example, I mean, at one point, I guess it was cheese and wheat. I don't know. <laughs> but the further we get from that original source, like the less we're removed from what the heck am I even eating? And I know that's a totally different example, but I think that's so true. Like getting, you get to see the names and faces and stories of the women who make this jewelry. And I just think it's so inspiring because so many of us are so far removed from that. And we're like, I have no idea who made these jeans. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't know I, a couple years ago and um, where was it? Bangladesh. There was a, a sweatshop that was totally caved in. It just like collapsed and yeah. killed thousands of workers yeah. because it was unsafe. And these poor you know, women and men probably were going for an unfair wage and lost their lives because they were going to work. And um, if we have the difference to change that and to make sure what we buy, again, we change the world with the dollars we support. So we say, we don't want to buy from this factory. We want to buy from a factory who treats our workers well. Yeah. That speaks a hundred times louder than what we say, you know, with our votes or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Anyway, I'm so excited about that. Okay. So, Let's transition to you do amazing work um, around the world, really. And then how do you get it to the States? Talk us to, about through like the ambassador program and the partners and how you help women stateside. Absolutely. So um, we sell all of our products online, but we really, really love that we offer the opportunity to American women here in the U.S. that they can sell and market our pieces and then earn 25% of every sale that they make. And the reason we do this is one, because we have an internal marketing team of like six people. However, how much more amazing good can we do to advocate for our artisans work if we have thousands of women across the U.S., talking about our products, wearing them, showing them off, sharing them online. Um, that just 
creates far more exponential growth. Um, but another reason why I love offering the opportunity for American women to join Trades of Hope as partners and earn 25% from every sale that they make is then it creates this beautiful partnership between women here in the United States and our artists and partners around the world. Not only are our artisans earning a living wage for creating our product, but then women here in the U.S. are earning 25% from their sales so that they can pursue their dreams here in America, whether that is just needing some more money to to support their families. Maybe it's to help with groceries. Maybe it is for fun things. Maybe it's to go on adventures. Maybe it is to just have some more shopping money, whatever Whatever a woman sees as a need in her life, we want to help her fulfill that. Again, whether it is just to help her lifestyle or to support her kids. We have had women, we've had partners who could pay for their children's braces because they are selling Trades of Hope pieces. We have had women say, I am finally able to give my husband this gift that he's been been wanting um, because I'm a Trades of Hope partner. We've even have, we've even had Trades of Hope partners say, my husband has been earning the living for our household my whole life. And I just surpassed him and how much um, I will make this year. And so just really helping women, whatever they define as a dream or a need in their life, we want to help them reach that dream as well. And then it even takes away from any possible charity that could be happening for our artisans, we want people to buy our artisans products because they love the products, because they're proud of what our artisans have created, not because they feel the need to buy something. And um, we have just had beautiful stories of women in America saying, I need her just in Uganda, just as much as she needs me. Like mm-hmm. I am helping my family. And if she didn't show up every day to make products, I wouldn't be able to show up and support my family in this way. So again, it just eliminates any area for a lack of dignity or any area for charity and to create true dignified partnerships from women here in the United States to women across the world in developing countries. I'm sorry if I'm overly zealous, but I'm like, (laughs) everything I've learned in 15 years of marketing, like you are, you're testify testament of doing it all right you know there's this book when helping hurts and for generations we've like oh well how can i help this you know poor quote-unquote person write them a check that's not what they want they want your partnership and they want dignity and they want a job and you are doing that and 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 here in the states and like you said they they help each other sisters helping sisters it's just like my heart is exploding right now i'm so excited about it as you know, I speak to sorority women and I'm all about this, like this power of sisterhood. And it's true with sorority. It's, you know, back, if you look at the founding members of each sorority, like every dream was, was way more than just cute t-shirts, right? Like they had beautiful dreams of like helping each other and lifting each other up. And I feel like you're doing that worldwide. Like this woman who you may never meet face to face, but you're literally giving her a marketplace to sell her stuff. And the woman in Ohio who wants to be able to afford a vacation to Hawaii, like you're helping her too, you know, like hundred percent. Yeah. I love all of it. I love all of it. Okay. I want to talk now about you being 24 years old 
and like one of the leaders of this company and to the girl who's saying, you know, that's inspiring. I'd love to do something like that, but I'm too young. I'm not good enough. I don't have the expertise. Who am I? Yada, yada, yada. Can you give her any talk? I mean, I know that's a huge question, but like maybe just talking to the girl who has a lot of lies thinking she's not good enough. What could you tell her? Yeah. I think when you are passionate enough about something, you become so consumed with that vision. And no matter, no matter what it is that you are dreaming of or want to pursue, I think you just become so captured by that vision. Like I know with trades of hope, I just did not spend, I, I didn't spend time, I think questioning my preparedness or my qualifications, probably because I knew I was not qualified and I just didn't want to go there. I knew I just didn't want to pull on that thread um, and see and unravel that. Um, I just wanted to kind of compartmentalize that. But I think I was just so caught up in there is a need out there. I was so caught up in, I don't see anyone else addressing this need and someone has to. And I'm not saying I'm the best person to address this need, but I am someone who's willing. And I think that willingness to learn can take you so much farther than multiple degrees in marketing or business or anything like that. I think when you are when you really believe in a product or a service or a mission, you can use that belief to propel you forward. And it does, it's not necessarily a belief in yourself. It's a belief in, in the need that you see or the solution that you can offer. I don't know if that makes sense at all. No. Yeah. So good. I just love it that, you know, you pro- yeah, you probably had the thoughts race by every now and then, like, who are you? You're not qualified. And you're like, um, excuse you, I'm busy. <laughs> yes, I am too busy. I just cannot go down that rabbit hole right now. I think that's the perfect answer. I mean, we're, none of us are qualified. You can be 95 years old and studied something your whole life, but you don't see it for, you know, there's a different perspective or there's something I'm sure that we can argue you don't understand but who cares? What I see a hu- much more often is the girl who's just not willing and looking for someone else to do yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like there's that saying, I wish someone, someone should do something about that. And then yeah. God's like, mm, you are someone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. I love all of this. Um, as a mom of girls, I'm very interested and inspired by this being kind of a mother daughter thing. Can you walk me through that relationship a little bit and what it looks like to work with your mom? Yeah, I think this, I think this might even lend a little bit to the last question, but I have always seen my mom just take action. She, she doesn't really talk about things that need to be done. She just does them. Um, I, I mean, I was very young, but I don't remember her like just, oh, talking about there being an orphan crisis in Haiti and she needs to start an orphanage and maybe she'll do this. Maybe she won't. Like, I just remember her doing it. And, um, even in watching her when I was 15, really learn about microloans and microfinancing and women in underdeveloped countries and business, she did a lot of reading and she did a lot of educating, but, um, she didn't tell the world about what she was learning or anything like that. She, then she just jumped up trades of hope with me. And like, it's, it's just so crazy. She's always a doer. And, um, she, 
taught me that other people are worth sacrificing for, whether it's your time or your safety or your comfort, you just sacrifice for those who are, who don't have the same privileges as you. Like you use your, the privilege that you have been blessed with to help those who are in need. And she has never, ever told me that with her mouth at all, just only ever with her actions. And I really loved, um, that my mom was someone who like, would go to Haiti to be at this orphanage for two weeks at a time. And I wouldn't see her for two weeks. I think that there are a lot of people, I don't know, I'm not a mom, but I hear a lot about mom guilt and leaving your children and how like they, Uh they need you to be all, you know, women need to be focused on their children 100%. But my mom, like, did leave. Like she did travel. She did go attend the needs of those who were in need. And, um, I never felt, never ever felt abandoned or like she wasn't there, that she wasn't showing up for me. I was always in awe of her. And I think that she, through her, her actions when I was a child and how she sacrificed her, her own comfort, her time with her family, time in her home to go and be on the ground and help those in need. She showed me that it's important for a woman, even a mother to have her own passions and to follow those passions. And I think because I saw her step out in independence and in strength and in bravery, she wove those characteristics into my, into my being as well. Again, just through her actions, never, ever with her words. My mom never told me, Elizabeth, you need to be a strong, independent woman. I just watched her. I just watched her do what she knew she needed to do and what she was called to do, even if that meant being away from her children for a couple of weeks at a time. And, um, and I think that kind of brought us together. Like, I think that made us really, really close. My mom is my best friend today. And I think people, I think, maybe young mothers, I don't know, think, oh, if I leave my children for two weeks to go on this mission mission trip, then we aren't going to bond and we aren't going to be close and they're going to feel abandoned and have problems as an adult. But I think that was truly the best thing that she could have done for me as a woman today and for our relationship. And so um, I love working with her. Um, I have a meeting with her after this interview um, to talk about some things with Trades of Hope. And um, it's so incredibly fun to have a reason to call and talk to my mom pretty much every day. Um, I'm sure I would call her every day, even if we didn't work together, but it is a lot more fun needing to and having a reason to. (laughs) I might cry. (laughs) You're right about everything. As a mom of two girls, I'm entering a season right now where this is my busy speaking season and I'm going to be gone just one night, but for four weeks in a row, I have a a event, you know, just one night through those four weeks. And of course I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm not there to pick them up after school and mom guilt, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. Like they don't need me to do the things that other people, like they can be picked up from school. They can like, everything is going to be taken care of. And what I hope on the other side of that, they'll see a mama who's chasing their dreams and know that this is something I'm super passionate about. So tears. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm curious, you talked about your mom being a go-getter. First of all, I want to be friends with her, but do you know hers and or your Enneagram number? Yes, we are both threes. So she is a three wing two and I'm a three wing four. Yeah. 
nice. I'm a three two, so I was like, I get that. We always joke, mom. Nice. <laughs> My husband says, you're the kind of girl who dives into the deep end to learn how to swim. I'm like, uh, duh. Is there any other way? <laughs> I completely agree. Yes. If you're going to think, you might as well just find out quickly. If you're going you to might just go for it. And then he'll read the book and talk to people. And sometimes we end up at the same destina- destination though, but it's so funny. Anyway. Oh my gosh. I'm loving everything you've said. I'm so inspired by all of the things could you recommend maybe anything that's inspiring you like any books or podcasts or blogs or just something that you might want to recommend while you have the mic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I would definitely recommend she's always inspiring me. My favorite author ever is Elizabeth Gilbert and she is just a really creative, strong, independent woman. She wrote a um, book called big magic, which is says, uh, speaks a lot to creativity and helps communicate the idea of creativity in a really unique and innovative way. Um, so I would definitely, definitely recommend that she talks about creativity being something, um, she kind of personifies creativity a little bit. Um, she explains this this idea, this metaphor that, um, you know, if you have an idea, pull at the heartstrings, um, and you say, no, that idea is just going to go and find someone else to bring it to life and to create it. Um, but for whatever reason, that idea has chosen you and there might be insecurities or fears or lack of qualifications as we touched on earlier. But if you can welcome those fears and insecurities and just say, okay, I hear you. I see you valid points, but we're going to move on in starting this thing or creating this thing anyway, um, then you can take small steps to bring that business or book or brand or product or whatever it is that you want to start and be a leader for to life. Um, so she is always inspiring me. She's just also a really good creative writer. Writing was my first expression of creativity ever as, um, as a, a person, as a human, um, that I found. And so I'm, I'm always loving good writers and those who have fun with, with words and communication. That's always my favorite. And because I'm a fan girl and I stalked your website, I know you also know Katie Davis who wrote kisses from Katie. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, um, met Katie Davis, uh, for the first time a year ago in Uganda and she is absolutely so sweet and as amazing as you would think she is from her book. (laughs) You guys, Kisses from Katie, I would say it's one of my life-changing books. It's so stinking good. So good. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. So you are very young and starting this. And I usually ask my guest, if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? You might want to answer that even younger. I'm not sure, but I guess if you could have coffee with your younger self, you can pick the age. What would you say? Wow. I mean, I will still pick 20 just because I feel like I have grown so much since 20 and oh my God, I am so thankful. Like I am just so thankful every day for everything that has occurred in my life from 20 today because I feel like it has grown me so much. 20s are crazy. I remember when I was 19 years old, I... I was like, just like praying I could just skip my 20s and go to my 30s because I am still, I'm just, I've never really been 
quick to enjoy change or anything like that. And so I'm like, oh, your 20s are a whirlwind. You have literally no foundation or anything like that. You're, you, who knows where you're going to live? Who knows where you're going to go? Who knows what happens in your career? So the 20s, um, I used to dread, but now I'm truly, truly loving because there is not a lot of direction. I don't know where I will be a year from now. Um, I don't know if I'll live in the same city. I don't know if I will live with my roommate or alone or anything like that. But I guess what I would say to 20-year-old me is, I guess I would say a few things, but they're all very close, closely intertwined. One, it will be, it would be, everything will be okay. And it will turn out, not only will it be okay, but it will turn out far better than you can ever, ever, ever imagine. Um, I think anytime something kind of trips you up in your 20s, I at least felt like it was the end of the world every single time. (laughs) Um, And people say, oh, everything will be okay. And I guess I just want to like top that by saying, no, it, it will be more than okay. It will be literally amazing. Um, and I, another thing I, we had talked about this just a little bit before the interview, but I have this really bad habit and I have since I was 20 of feeling behind in my twenties. And so I guess I would tell my 20 year old self that nothing will ruin your twenties, like thinking you're behind. So, um, I would tell her to ignore age related pressures. I would tell her that every year is a gained experience. It's gained wisdom. It's gained memories. And all of those things will shape you into who you're supposed to be. And every year that you get older is not a strike against you for not being a longer, not being farther along in your career or, not being in love or not being married every year that goes by is not a strength against you, but it is adding more to discovering who you are and choosing who you want to become. Yeah. I guess I would just want to remind her that you are young and wildly alive and 100% exactly where you're supposed to be. I love all of this. I'm going to quote you and perhaps put on tattoo to my forehead. Ignore, (laughs) ignore age related pressures. That is beautiful. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I have to tell myself that. And it doesn't change. Yeah. I mean, like there's when you're thirties and forties, like there's always age related pressures. People are like, well, have you done so-and-so and and X, Y, and Z? And do you feel this way or that way? And you know what? Let me just live my life. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love all of this. Okay. So assuming everyone needs to see how fabulously cute your earrings are, by the way, I'm obsessed with the tassel ones and the little gold. It's a long story, but I've obsessed over the website several times. Where can they find you and stock all the things on social media? So they can find me, um, at, well, they can find traits of hope at traits They can find me at elizabethheishkins.com, which is a mouthful, but you know. Yeah. Do you write? I do. Yeah, I do. It has been, um, a, a season of a little less writing, but I definitely, definitely do. Um, but I connect with everyone very closely, um, on my Instagram at instagram.com slash Elizabeth Heishkins. I reply to all my messages and love talking to other women in their twenties across the country. And so they can find your links through your Instagram bio. 
Yes, 100%. Okay, spell your name for everybody. It is E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, Elizabeth with an S, and Heishkins is H-U-I-J-S-K-E-N-S. She's going to be your new favorite redhead on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for inspiring, unpacking, and even explaining what it is you do, how people can make a global impact by buying a bracelet or a scarf. Like, I'm just so excited. Oh, and before you go, you have a clothing line coming out. Am I right? I do. It's out. Yes. Ah, so clothing too. You can change the world with a tank top. (laughs) Absolutely. And that is linked on my Instagram as well. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. Well, everyone head over, check her out. And thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you, Katie, so much. This has been so fun. Yay. Hey, if you love this episode, well, I'd love your feedback. Head on over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you stream your podcast and leave a review. Reviews help us know what you love, what topics you want covered next, and help others to find us. Hey, speaking of which, if you have a friend in mind who could really benefit from today's show, take a screenshot, like right now, of this episode, share it on your Insta story, and give me a tag so I can thank you. I'm at katiebulmer.life, and we really appreciate you spreading the word. Thanks so much for joining us today on Truth For Your 20s.